Welcome back into the Shotside Podcast. You're listening to episode 52. Uh, we're going to be dealing with some NBA news today, going through um, some of our award predictions that we've um, kind of thought of, um, me and Matt. Um, and then we'll go through some of the playoff scenarios and then finish off with, you know, a couple, what would you call it, Matt? Um Comparisons, who we think is might be better between two players? Yeah, just kind of some close NBA comparisons, kind of like um, not just who you think is better, but kind of like somebody you'd want, like maybe long term more so. I think we kind of factored age into it like a tiny bit. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we'll do that at the end of the store or end of the show. Um, make sure to like and follow if you enjoy, enjoy the content. Uh, we have some social media stuff coming out on TikTok. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the above. Um, so check it out on there. Um, with that being said, let's get into some NBA news. Um, starting off, Matt, what is going on with the Dallas Mavericks right now? Because, you know, they were only a game out of the 10th seed. Um, chance of making the play-in game and then seeing where things go from there. They decide, you know, to play Luka one quarter and then shut him down for their next game um they were actually kind of in this game against the bulls that we just kind of you know watched a little bit towards the end but um ended up falling short against chicago who didn't play their stars in the second half as well uh they were also missing Kyrie, who's dealing with a foot injury um and then basically the rest of their stars maxi kleber tim hardaway jr josh green all missed game christian wood missed it too um, what are your thoughts just on Dallas and this bizarre scenario? Yeah, I mean, uh, Dallas has basically been a dumpster fire uh, as of late. Um, I mean, thank God for the Dallas Mavericks that they've kind of overshadowed any of the T-Wolves wolves over the last couple weeks because um, they've just been absolutely terrible honestly um they just have no defense um their offense is very uh i don't know the best way to put it it's more like uh their offense is good at times but it's highly ran through luca um so the ball sticks a lot um not that luke's not a good player um but really the, the biggest thing is they just have absolutely no defense christian wood's terrible at defense luke is terrible at defense Kyrie's terrible at defense Josh Green's uh, not that bad. Josh Green's not t- too bad, but Josh Green can't guard five players. <laughs> True. Um, and he's also not a center. That That's one of their biggest things is they don't have a center that can play defense, like, literally at all. Uh, JaVale McGee. Yeah, you, you got McGee, <laughs> but for every good play McGee makes, he makes one where you just scratch your head. Um, and really, I mean, I, I, I understand why they, they rested their guys here. I mean – they have their their pick to the the Knicks is top ten protected, so uh, this guarantees basically that they'll be a top ten pick. Um, nearly guarantees, not for sure, but pretty much. Um, so that's I guess that could be one plus. They also uh, by giving the Bulls this win, the Bulls have one more win than they do, so they're move up past the Bulls in the draft order, um, just for lottery odds. Because uh, they had the same record going into this game. Um, so I guess I could see that. Uh, 
But really, I mean, just this is just a disappointing year for the Mavs. I mean, this is the same team, or not same team, but this is the team that went to the Western Conference Finals. Um, just a year ago. Last, just Yeah, just last year. And um, why I say this isn't the same team is because this really isn't the same team. I no, mean, no. they lost... Uh, they lost Dorian Finney-Smith in the trade, um, along with Dinwiddie, and I think those two were. Uh, I, I mean, Dinwiddie's not like the he's not an elite defender, but at the same time, I think he's better defender than like Kyrie is. Um, and also, Dorian Finney-Smith was their best by far uh, perimeter like defender, like two or not two way player, but just perimeter defender. And then three he and knock D. down, yeah, three and D can knock down three sometimes. Um, but they also lost Jalen Brunson, who is right. by far their biggest loss. Right. Um, and I, even Mark Cuban touched on that a little bit in his uh, interview this week, um, saying just basically like that they didn't get the chance to re-sign him, and they they wanted to have that chance um, until uh, Rick Brunson, Jalen's dad, stepped in, kind of forced their way to the. He didn't really force it because. He was a free agent. Yeah, so, if like, he, he forced it, they, there would have been some league issues with that. But I, I get yeah, what you're saying. I mean, yeah. I'm more just like he definitely persuaded uh, Jalen away from <laughs> the measures sure. is what I, I meant to say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is it is kind of funny because I, I feel like when you make the Western Conference Finals, like it is kind of like um, why would you change up your roster that much? Like – is it really worth doing that? Like, and I think you could tell that like Jalen Brunson was a good player last year, like in terms of um, just like, I know he was for them. He was coming off the bench at times, um, but you could just see in that those games where um, Luca was out in the playoffs, like Brunson looked like a legitimate player. And I, I don't think, I don't think that happens for just any bench player coming off the bench in a playoffs. Like, against a good team like I think I think that kind of like solidified that Jalen Brunson could be a good player in this league and the Knicks I mean they they jumped on it and the, look how good the Knicks have been 50. this year yeah um pretty incredible and then um just on top the worst thing about the Jalen Brunson thing was that they got absolutely nothing in return for him like he just right. left Scott free right. because he was a free agent um, so that's what hurt the most, and I don't know. I don't even know what's going to happen with Kyrie next year or, like, during the offseason here, uh, especially after hearing about, like, how the Brunson situation was handled. I'm sure Kyrie's, like, hearing that stuff, and he's kind of like, I, I, I might walk too. I mean, he has to see it, doesn't yeah. he? Like, I don't know. This is just a mess. Not, and, I think, well, they should have offered – I think there was an offer, wasn't there? Like four years, sixty-five million, early on for Brunson, like, like way early on. Yeah, I think. yeah. But why not just give it to him at that point? Because then, if it doesn't work out, if it doesn't, if the fit's not great with Luca, which we already knew it was, why not see what it can do? And if it doesn't, you can easily trade Brunson to the Knicks afterwards and actually get somebody back, like uh, R.J. Barrett or you know whatnot back for him i mean you got to get something back for a quality star point guard and not get nothing back and then also i think losing dwight powell too was a huge energy guy kind of like a 
kind of like a like brand. A <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I was going to say kind of like a Brandon Clark for Memphis. He's kind of that type of player where he's a good guy to have off the bench, can kind of give you a spark, good with alley-oops, uh, good with that two-man uh, lineup with him and Luca running the pick and roll. Um, now that you don't have him, you saw this team kind of slow down, do a lot of half-court stuff with Luca and Kyrie. And yeah, it worked. But if you can't stop the other team on the opposite end, you're not going to win a lot of games. And we saw that down the stretch. And this, I mean, it's a good reason. It's not a good reason, but it's the reason why they're probably shutting it down now. Personally, I don't like it. I would like to see Dallas kind of finish out the you know season, see what happens in the playoffs. You do have two of probably the best, at least the best top 20 players, I would say, in the NBA. Like, why not try to make a move? at you know getting far in the playoffs but i see the point of why you would want to retain that pick especially with the new uh league rule of you know you had you know basically you won't be able to spend more money and go past the luxury tax even more to get a mid-level exception next year so i see why they would want to keep onto that pick and maybe get a good solid young talent in return and then you know Maybe that turns out to be a, a good, solid play for them next year. But uh, it's a lot of ifs for Dallas. And then you honestly don't know what's going to happen with Kyrie. And we might not know what's going to happen with Luka either. But we're going to have to kind of... Well, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, to your point, like, I mean, probably a big reason why they're doing this is because I feel like they are pretty uh, uncertain whether Kyrie will resign. And if Kyrie doesn't resign, like... I mean, they absolutely have to have a top 10 draft pick. Like, yeah. otherwise, I mean, you have literally, besides Josh Green, you have literally no assets along with Luka Doncic. Like, and I mean, I, I'm not sure when his contract's up or anything like that, but um, at a certain point, like, you have to be, like, concerned if you're the Mavs that, like, Luka would eventually do, like, an AD type thing where, like, he wants out of there if they continue to not support him. So right. uh, this is like way down the road a little bit, but at the same time, like these moves now, like definitely impact that. So like, that's why you got to make sure that like they're either hitting on some draft picks or they can like convince Kyrie to say or something. But And if they don't convince Kyrie, they'll have some money in free agency, which could be big. There's some big time free agents. We'll talk about in the off season, but one of them could be, you know, a Draymond Green, which I think would be a perfect fit next to Luka. You know, getting some defense in there and also some playmaking to go with Luka, I think, will be beneficial for this team on top of, you know, trying to make this team a lot more competitive in the future. But um, moving on, um, you did you did touch base a little bit on the Timberwolves, and uh, I'll talk about it a little bit here. Um, their record... It's a new NBA record, I think, or at least in the last 20 years, where a team was favored by more than 90. I think they were favored by 19 and a half points against Portland um, not too long ago and ended up losing that game with no Damian Lillard, no Yusuf Nurkic, no Jeremy Grant, no Anthony Simons. Um, you were left with players like Shaden Sharp, Kevin Knox. Um, who else is even in there? Drew Eubanks. I mean,. Some players that Watford, Watford. I mean, Watford's yeah. a solid player, but you're you're not losing this Portland team, especially when they're trying to lose too. They're trying to get a, a higher draft pick, just like the Mavericks are too. So I'm I'm wondering, like, 
I mean, our Timberwolves, Timberwolves are kind of pretenders at this point, aren't they? I mean, I would say so. I like. I, I was kind of starting to get high on them, but after the loss of uh, Nas Reed, I think that kind of, like our bench isn't deep enough. Like we've seen it in in these games without them. Um, the the one good thing I'll say though is um, I I love that Chris Finch finally took McLaughlin out of the lineup. I mean, he was just yes. absolutely horrendous. Um, and now, like, like last game, uh, the Wolves had an eight-man uh, rotation, which uh, was fine with me because uh, I think, although Nikhil Alexander-Walker doesn't play that well on offense all the time, uh, he is a very good lengthy defender uh, at the point guard position, and he's definitely capable of playing those uh, backup point guards slash just guard minutes in general because... I mean, really, he doesn't have to bring it up because you have Ant that can bring it up, um, like with like the second lineup, like when he's in there with them, or even like even Towns brings it up sometimes. Um, right. Not that he necessarily always should, but um, I just think that that change might go um, be pretty helpful for them. But I think at the end of the day, losing somebody like Nas Reed off the bench who can uh, get you like twenty points in twenty minutes is, I mean. That's tough. Uh, they're also missing Jalen Noel right now too, and he's like another bench scorer. That right. like we really just don't have enough bench scoring. Um, so like as we saw in like the Portland game when Cat had a bad game, um, Ant scored thirty seven. Um, Conley had a rough night shooting. Like the, the points just aren't there. Um, so right. yeah, well, I think the Wolves are pretenders. I mean, come playoff time, though, you're going to have to shorten up your bench lineup to, you know, eight or nine guys anyway. So, um, but it's it's just not a good sign, especially when you're, you know, you're missing like a Nas Reed, who's been so crucial to your backup center role this entire season. And especially when Kat and Rudy Gobert and Jade McDaniels and some of these players that are, are getting in foul trouble a lot, too, you got to have a nice bench player to come in there and kind of you know take on some of those minutes to give those guys some time to get back into the game um and just to keep it close in general but um very good points matt um zion zion williamson's coming back possibly um i have heard um i think there was a report it said based on today our best possible outcome would be if everyone lined up perfectly Maybe you see him in the first round of playoffs, not in the play-in game. So um, that's a big what if, because you know, as of now, New Orleans is. Well, we're watching the Lakers game right now against Phoenix. Phoenix is playing all, their entire bench. Lakers are playing their stars. I'm guessing Lakers will probably get this win, but I could be wrong. Pelicans will probably be the A seed, which means. They'll have to play the Lakers in L.A. for the first play game. If they lose that, they'll probably have to play between Timberwolves or OKC. So um, do you like them, you know, possibly getting an eighth seed or a seventh seed in the playoffs? And then how much do you like the Pelicans going forward having Zion back for that first round matchup, whether it's Denver or Memphis? Um, you know, I'm... I'm not like super optimistic about Zion coming back in general. Um, I think they for sure want to make sure they make the playoffs. Like uh, they obviously don't want to bring him back just for a playing game. Um, but I mean, at the same time, like if they do make a playoff series, like uh, 
I would assume they would maybe just bring him off the bench to start since he's been out for so long. Um, and that obviously be the best six man in the entire NBA um, <laughs> for yeah. those playoff games. Um, <laughs> but I, I think like even if Zion just played like 20 minutes, I mean, he, he's a human bulldozer out there. Uh, like he's one of the most efficient players in the NBA just because of how well he does on the board. Like if he misses a shot, like he basically gets his rebound almost every time. <laughs> seems sure. like, um, but I, th- I mean, even without Zion coming back, I think this this uh, Pelicans team could be a gritty team and maybe a tough team to beat in the playoffs. Um, I think another player that I'm not sure when he comes back, but Alvarado makes a difference too right. as a backup point guard right. um, and just some intensity. But if they could get him and Zion back um, and maybe just play him light minutes in, in the one series and if they could sneak into the second round and maybe play a Phoenix up a little team. Yeah, like ramp them up a little more. Like this, I mean, the Pelicans got a good roster. I, I like it if uh, they can stay healthy. Um, but obviously, health's a big factor. Right. Health is a huge factor. And another guy that's looking to come back, Andrew Wiggins, uh, rejoined the team for Golden State. Um, Steve Kerr said that, you know, he won't be in the next few days, you know, ready necessarily, but um, there's a good chance he'll be ready for either the play-in game or same as Zion, probably their first playoff series, which I'm guessing they won't be in the play-in because they, I'm, I think, who are they playing today? They're, they played uh, the Kings. Kings Yeah. They're resting some guys. Right. Kings are resting players. So they should get that win. Last time I checked, it was like 30 to 11. Uh, Golden State was winning, so I expect them to win that game. And uh, with that, I mean, they're probably going to be, I think they have a good chance to be in the fifth seed. So a Phoenix matchup would be really interesting. Um, So I I did hear a quote from Andrew Wiggins himself. He said, uh, when you're in a certain situation, your family needs you. It requires your attention and your love. That's my first priority, which as an NBA fan, like obviously you're more worried about the game itself versus what these players are going through. And I think you have to step back and kind of think to yourself, like, you know, if, if my family was going through stuff too, I would be there for them versus, you know, going to a wolves game, going to a, any sort of sporting event or whatnot, whatever it is. So I totally understand from, from Wiggins, you know, viewpoint and, you know, I hope everything's okay with him and his family. I hope everything's perfectly fine. Um, but that being said, though, it's, it's great to see him back, and uh, the Warriors definitely need him, especially if they're going to end up being that, that uh, fifth seed uh, and having to go up against you know a strong Phoenix Suns team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm less worried about Wiggins um, getting back ramped up versus Zion just because right. I, I think uh, – I think uh, Wiggins is just um, not a more, I mean, probably more fit, um, <laughs> but just, uh, I just feel like he, his body type is just like, is that a fat joke than... on Zion? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not a fat joke. It's more just like a, Zion is notoriously like big for his um, height. Even. Just uh, He's just a big dude in general. Yeah. Um, and he's had some uh, more injuries. Like, 
I feel like we were having the same like conversation last year during the playoffs where he was like maybe going to come back, but they weren't sure if he was going to. Um, He's a young player, though, too. So, like, we got to give him a – I think eventually he will get into a better, like, diet and routine. Same with Luca too. Luca kind of, you know – Luca Donut. Luca Donut got a little bigger, too. So, But he'll have all offseason now to kind of figure that out. Maybe Zion will, too, but – uh, I think some of these younger players, we got to be a little bit patient on, on, you know, just their growth. Yeah, yeah I just more meant just like get, getting ready for the playoffs. I think yeah. and just having Wiggins been in the playoffs, like he knows where his body needs to be at to um, play at that level. But um, yeah, I mean, all, all good points. I think uh, it is. It obviously was serious, whatever his family was going through. I don't think we'll ever for sure know what, what it was, um, and that's fine. Uh, I think we as fans sometimes think we're owed it to us um, to know everything that's going on in players' lives. But at the end of the day, if he wanted us to know, we would have known. Um, so he clearly didn't. Yeah, he does, um, so. they don't owe us nothing, honestly. They're, I mean, they're getting oh, yeah. paid to play this game, and I mean, the... <laughs> Having to give interviews after every single game in, in the offseason and, and having people follow you around asking questions all the time, I like I don't understand that. Like, I, I don't deal with that. So I can never understand what those players go through. Um, and for that fact alone, like, I honestly don't care. Like, if you end up being a Kawhi Leonard and giving us the least amount of information, I'm totally fine with that too. Cause I have no problem with talking about your play on the, on the floor, which that's, that's how I think it should be. But obviously you need bigger news stories from what people say as well. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Kawhi, um, they're, all, they're the one team that's in the, you know, like the battle for the fifth, sixth seed with the Warriors. Um, and they just beat the the Lakers the other day. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you saw this, but a, after the of game, of course the, I did. After the game, the um, reporter asked him if he thought this was the most important um, <laughs> game, like between him and the Lakers. And his answer was just the most monotone, like I didn't see it that way. <laughs> and then he, they like tried to expand on it, and he's like, "That's not the way I saw it." <laughs> <laughs> it was such a quiet response, and uh, that's part of why I like Kawhi is just because he's so like. Straight to the point of no BS. Yeah, he's just, he's honestly nonchalant with his answers all the time, and I love it. Like, it, I think he pulled that a little bit from Pop, even though Pop gives a little bit more but answers now. But there was times where Pop would just be like, next question, like, that's, you got to come up with a better question than that. Come on, man. <laughs> and like, I think even Kawhi's... Yeah, yeah, a lot of those Spurs players, which made that Spurs generation so fun to, you know, kind of keep in track with. But um, I think that's a good point right there. But um, we're going to take a short break. And then on the opposite side of the break, we're going to go over some of our, you know, shots aside awards that we've came up with. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Uh, We got our shots aside awards ceremony. Um, some of the awards we're going to go over today, we're going to go over best play, best game, best shot turned aside. So basically best block. Uh, we're going to go over the funniest technical that we saw this year, best duo in the NBA, clutchest player, best teammate, worst player, 
most hated player. Uh, the holy shit moment of the year. That's my favorite. Uh, and then the breaking ankles award. Uh, so starting off, Matt, best play of the year for you. What would you go with? You know, my best play, this kind of going to go against all my uh, philosophy just because not the, not the biggest LeBron fan in the world, but considering it was uh, for most points all time, I'm going to go with LeBron's shot against the OKC Thunder to pass Kareem for most points all time. As much as I say stuff about LeBron, having the most points all time is, uh, I mean, a pretty incredible feat um, when you consider how how much longevity is needed to be able to do that. Um, honestly, I, I don't think it'll be passed for quite some time, if, I mean, at all. Uh, I mean, who knows how uh, long players will last and stuff like that. I mean, right. like, certainly guys that could maybe have a chance for it, but... We won't know for a long time. Um, so, yeah, that'd be my best play of the year so far just because of the the magnitude of the accomplishment. I mean, you said it perfectly. I honestly don't think I should even say mine at this point. I, I think, <laughs> like, the fact that you gave LeBron a little bit of praise in this, in this podcast is honestly mind-blowing. I never thought it would come to this one day. But, Matt, you shocked me and... Uh, for that alone, I'm just not even going to say what mine is because uh, I, I just don't. I mean, it's nothing better than that play, right? This year. <laughs> Another thing that made that play just excellent too was that Thomas Bryant thought he was going to get the ball on the post <laughs> on the play that Le- LeBron was going to break the record. He was calling for the ball, um, so that that made the play also kind of funny too. Do you think? But... Do you think that's a play where Thomas Bryant was like, "Okay, I want to get traded now." <laughs> I mean, it had to have been one of the things that wanted him traded, right? Because that was pretty close to the trade deadline too, or or like the All Star break, I should say. Yeah, it was just like right before it. Yeah, so, yeah, couldn't have said it better. Uh, moving on, best game of you know the season. Uh, my pick, I'm gonna go with the Knicks at the Mavericks game. We saw this on December 27th, 20 or last year. Um, crazy game i mean pretty much the entire game knicks were kind of you know in control the entire time mavs were down by nine points with a little under 33 seconds left in the game um they go on a 12 to 3 run tie the game up on a crazy luka i mean the way that it ended or like regular the regular um regulation and it was just insane because Luca I think they were down two he was taking his second free throw intentionally missed it got his own putback not as not quite as spectacular as Victor Wembenyama's uh putback from the three-point arc but pretty pretty I mean it was nice tied it up on almost got followed too which would have been even crazier but uh to go on a 12 to 3 run like that was was pretty cool and then in ot luca just continued to dominate the mavs ended up winning um luca finished with 60 points 21 boards and 10 assists granted now he's sitting out we talked all that shit about the mavericks and and luca not playing but i mean it was one of the best games that i saw i mean smaller games you had the bulls versus Cavs on january 2nd that was a great game uh another game 
Clippers versus Kings on February 28th of this year. Uh, second highest scoring output out of two teams in the history of the NBA, which is pretty cool. Double OT games where De'Aaron Fox had a basically a step back game winner, which we'll talk about De'Aaron Fox a little bit later in the show as well. Uh, Matt, what was your favorite game of the season? Uh, you know, out of games I've watched, um, one of my favorite ones was the Warriors over the Bucks uh, about a month ago. Uh, that game was pretty good. Steph was uh, caught absolute fire in the fourth quarter and in the overtime. I uh, finished with 36 points, but like going into the fourth quarter, I think he only had like 10 or something like that. So he got absolute fire, uh, scoring 26 in the fourth and overtime. So that was that was a cool game that I. I thought, um, just out of the games I've watched, uh, Giannis wasn't playing, but still, uh, I mean, the Bucks have a solid team with like Drew Holiday and Middleton and those guys and stuff too. So I think that's still a pretty good win, um, for the Warriors. Um, another game just, um, off the top of my head, it was the, um, we actually, we didn't end up winning it, but, uh, uh, T-Wolves and Nets game in the target center where Nas Reed hit a big time three. Um, I was at that game. <laughs> were yeah. you? Okay. That was what, I mean, we didn't end up winning, so it, that's why it's not my favorite game, but it, it was close to being it if we would have won that game. Right. That um, that OT stretch some, is rough. Yeah. I mean, it, but they hit big shots in that game too with like Dorian Finney-Smith. So I thought, I thought that was a really fun game to watch. Um, those are just my just two off the top of my head. I think uh, I mean there, there's plenty of games. There's some nice buzzer beaters too. I, I mean I know the recent one of uh, semi recent like uh, within the last month was Jabari Smith's buzzer beater. Uh, I saw that live. That was pretty cool over the Pelicans. Um, Putting a Rockets that, game in there. Wow. <laughs> I, I had to put it in there just because I saw it. Like yeah. when you see a game live, it means more than seeing the replay of it. True. Um, and so that one was pretty pretty cool to watch um especially because you could just see that jalen green wanted the ball so bad but they gave it to jabari smith and then he just drilled it uh so that was funny to watch too um but yeah those are just off the top of my head those would be the ones i have yeah i think fans got to realize too like we don't watch every single nba game so (laughs) we i mean obviously there's probably a number of games in your guys's heads that probably you think are better games than the ones we mentioned but we are just mentioning the games that we've witnessed with our two eyes from start to finish uh not looking at game highlights not looking at recaps um just the games that we've watched from start to finish so um i thought that was great yeah um moving on best shot turned aside um best shot block of the season i'm gonna go with uh, the one that I saw that we're bringing the Rockets back in this one as well, but this time on the opposite end where, you know, you saw John Morant. Dude, when he took off and blocked J- Jalen Green's shot, um, one of the most incredible blocks I've, I mean, of this season at least. Like, I thought he was literally walking on air as Jalen, Jalen Green had a nice little, like, I don't know if it was a Euro step or a step back. I'm trying to, or not step back, but a crossover. I think it was a Euro step into the lane. And Ja comes out of nowhere. And absolutely, I thought he was going to pin it. 
slams it off the glass. And it, it was one of the most wild, wild blocks I saw. You could put another one that I ha- almost put in there was the, it was a recent one where Giannis, uh, I think it was against the Wizards. Kendrick Nunn got like a steal on a Giannis pass or something. Had a wide open dunk and Giannis came out of nowhere and absolutely obliterated his dunk. It reminded me of, uh, you remember in uh, NFL, I think it was last year where, or maybe two years ago, maybe I don't know. One of the one of the two years uh, where DK Metcalf chased down Buda Baker. You remember that play? Oh yeah, yeah. It yeah, reminded yeah. me of that. <laughs> so um, I, that was insane. Yeah, I thought about that as well. But who who do you have for best shot turned aside? Well, my my best shot block of the year would have to be a Butler's block on Booker at the end of a game earlier in the year. Um, one, it was a good block at the end, but two, also, he was just clamping Booker at the end of that. Um, it wasn't just the shot block. He also had to play tight defense on him, and it, it was to win the game. So Game-saving I think that, play, too. Yeah, so I think that kind of gave me a, a little boost up in that one. Um, but then I'd say uh, an, another one, just an honorable mention, would be um, actually – Speaking of Ja, it would be Embiid's block on Ja. Ja was going up, and he was about to put P.J. Tucker on a nasty poster. But Embiid had other plans and, and sent that pack in. So I think that, that would be my honorable mention. Um, the only reason I put Butler's above it is just because it was to win the game. So right. those would be my two for the year. Yeah, let's get comical right here. Funniest tech of the year. Um, do you want to start with this one? Yeah, I mean, there's been a, a just a crapload of baffling uh, <laughs> technical calls this year and just, like, calls in general. Um, but my funniest one of the year was the <laughs> the one where LeBron got clearly slapped in the arm by oh uh, <laughs> by Jason Tate. Like, it was one of the most clear fouls I've ever seen, <laughs> probably. Um, and I think it called... Um, and then after that, like, as uh, that was like to, to win the game, so then it's going to overtime. And as they're going back to their huddles, Pat Bev grabs the grabs the camera from the uh, like people below the basket to go show the refs, and then he gets teed up. Uh, so already then, Boston starts up in OT. They're already up by two yeah. because of the tech free throws. That's that was wild. He's he's honestly lucky that it, it didn't count for like the end of regulation still like to win the game, but that that was just I've never seen something like that before. That Pat Bev's always coming out with the first of some stuff. Yeah, leave it up to Bev to kind of you know create some humor out of a missed ref uh, opportunity right there. But yeah, I, that was I, I would have to agree with that as being one of the better ones. Um, there's some other ones too, like there was a game where like Tatum was like um, I think it was a game against the Raptors where like it was a close game in like the third quarter and um, I forgot who was driving to the basket. It, I want to say it was like Scotty Barnes or somebody like that, but uh, Tatum kind of followed him a little bit. And then uh, so the ref called a foul on him and, Tatum just kind of waves off the ref, like, okay, like, I'm throwing that foul away. Ref, and like, tees him up, and he already has one tee in the game already. Ref tees him up straight away. Gets thrown out of the game, so Boston's already down Jason Tatum, and 
uh i can't remember if they won that game or not it was a little while ago so i'm kind of blanking on the details of it but that was a good one um you also had luca throwing the ball in the stands against the suns uh that was kind of comical obviously got teed up for that and i think he got thrown out of that game as well um clay thompson's was John at uh, Devin Booker and the Suns bench gets ejected for that one. Um, and then, like you said, that Pat Bev tech was an all time favorite one, of course, but um, moving on best duo in the NBA this year. I think this is a good one. Cause I think we have a lot of options. Um, we're not in the era of the trio anymore. I don't think, I think we're kind of moving past that, especially, especially with the new rules that are going to be implemented next year. Um, I think duos are going to be very important going forward. Um, Matt, starting off with you, who do you who's your favorite duo in the, in the NBA this year? Uh, you know, th- this one was tough for me because I would probably pick uh, Booker and KD as probably the best duo in the NBA. Um, but since they haven't really played like a ton together yet, um, it's tough to really put them as the best duo just because we haven't seen enough yet. What, eight games? Um, yeah, just eight games. They but, are eight um, no though. Yeah, but I do, I I mean, they they are a pretty solid duo. I don't think you'd go wrong picking them. Um, but my uh, best duo would probably have to be um, win healthy Kawhi and Paul George just because, I mean, wow. they're both two-way players. They both, um, when they're both healthy, I mean, Honestly, I don't think there's two better players, like overall better players that you could pick than than those two. Um, I, an honorable mention, maybe to just for just for this year, if we're just going out this year, would be uh, Triple J and Jaws, a dynamic duo. I think they've been pretty stellar this year um, when they're both healthy or both not suspended, um, specifically Jaw. Um, so that would be my honorable mention, but. Um, they gotta go with Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, just two great players, two uh, two of the best of uh, honestly, like the past five years. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna give you a better duo right now. I mean that. I was All right, let's hear. It. I was shocked to see you pick who's about to be a six seed best duo this year. Um, I'm going with the best team in the NBA, Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I think. You know, Giannis is a top three MVP candidate. Drew Holiday, we know how he is on the defensive end. He's also put up fifty a 51-point game this year without Giannis. So, uh, especially with Chris Middleton down, it doesn't matter if Chris Middleton's down. If, if Drew Holiday is the two option, the three option, the four option, he's still a player that you really want on your team just because of the two-way aspects that he can bring to the game. Um, and for that alone, I'm picking those two. I think what those two can accomplish, they've already won a title. Um, again, we're not looking at past accomplishments. We're just looking at this year. But what they've accomplished this year, being the top seed in the East, being the top seed or best team in the NBA in general, record-wise, um, I think I have to go with these two. That's fair. That's fair. I mean... The thing about the Bucks, though, you put Giannis and any one of uh, Middleton, Brooke Lopez, and Drew, in my opinion, as the best duo. Um, I think because that 
But I mean, Drew's been better than Middleton because he's Middleton's dealt with injuries, and I think Drew's better than Brook Lopez, even though Brook Lopez is having you know one of his better years. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I'd say, um, I mean, there's actually a decent chance that Drew even makes a like the third All NBA team this year. He's been actually that good um, on both sides of the ball. Right. Um, I also would like to throw another honorable mention to um, Harden and Embiid. I think they've been pretty spectacular this year too. Um, I think sometimes Harden, just because he hasn't scored as much as he used to, um, doesn't always get the recognition, but he's also averaging the most assists in the NBA this year, uh, which is pretty impressive. And I just think um, prior prior to, I mean, recently he's kind of been struggling a little bit, but I think that might be due to like, a nagging injury or something like that. Um, I'm not specifically sure what's going on with him. Um, but like earlier in the year, they were just on a, an absolute tear. Him and uh, Embiid were. So I have to get a shout out to them too. Um, right. And there's a number of duos in the NBA that you could easily put down like Steph and whoever you want to put in Wiggins, Clay, Draymond, any of those guys. Definitely worth it as well. Brown and Tatum, definitely. Um, you could put in De'Aaron Fox and Sabonis. They're having a great season. Uh, you mentioned Ja. ja I mean, Ja, you could put in either Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson Jr. Probably Jaron Triple J because of the year he's having this year. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. I mean, there's a bunch of guys, but... Um, yeah. I, you know, I, since we're on the subject, like... Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a definitely a big fan of the dynamic duo as opposed to like the big three. Right. I think I think it kind of evens out the NBA, and it just seems like every team kind of has a chance more so when it's a dynamic duo. Right, because I think it makes it more fair. You're, it's basically come playoff time, it's like who has the best duo, and whoever has the best duo who's having a hot streak throughout the playoffs is probably going to win. Obviously, you got to have a top five player top at least top 10 player to at least compete for the finals but um yeah i mean that's why i'm so surprised with luca and and Kyrie. but obviously that's a little bit more there because their bench players their role players aren't as good as some of these other teams in playoffs which makes a lot more sense but uh moving on clutches player i got De'Aaron fox uh mr fourth quarter uh, his numbers in the fourth quarter are insane. I think him and Kyrie were neck and neck, neck and neck all year. Uh, but De'Aaron Fox has just been doing it consistently all year long, and big reason why they're gonna, you know, shred that 16 uh, playoff losing streak. So, uh, big shout out to uh, De'Aaron Fox here. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, on this one, I have to agree with you. I think Fox has been the clutchest player this year. He's had a lot of big moments, and um, honestly, he's the, the reason they won a lot of games like down the stretch. Um, there's been times where he struggled like earlier in the game, but then starts heating up in the fourth quarter, and then that's when you want your stars playing their best anyways. Um, Especially in playoffs. So yeah, so I, I'd have to go with Fox. I, I would say maybe an honorable mention to um, – say Kyrie and then also uh, to a certain extent I think it, maybe you could throw Austin Reeves in there because I mean he's actually been like super good like in the fourth quarter like it, it might be funny but he, he really actually has been really good in fourth quarters um, and has hit some big time shots so I think 
he is a, a reason that the Lakers have pulled out some some close games. Definitely um, in the second but, half of the season. Yeah, in the second half of the year. Yeah. That that's why that's why I wouldn't put him as the clutches. But I just he's hit some big shots this year, and I think you kind of have to nod your head to him. Uh, another player that has been doing it all season long would be Jalen Brunson for me. Um, he's been really clutch, and I think he's been a big reason why the the Knicks are where they are um, because he actually has been really clutch and a calming factor down the stretch for the for Knicks in games, whereas uh, sometimes uh, Randall kind of, I don't know, I mean, you just need a, you just right. need a, sometimes teams just need a solid point guard, yeah. um, and that's what Brunson's been. Yeah, I think another guy you could put in here is probably Killian Hayes too. I I thought Killian, <laughs> I thought Killian's yeah, I had a, a great season after it, like because he was he was struggling last year and the year before. Like we did, like there was some big hype with Killian Hayes coming out of the draft, and I think he's lived up to it this year. But <laughs> in all seriousness, though, this moves perfectly into our next one. Um, worst player in the NBA this year. I mean, personally. Um, I'm going straight off to statistics on this one, um, plus minus mainly and looking at plus minus the worst player in plus minus. I think there was three guys up there, including Killian Hayes, including Dylan Brooks. Uh, but at the top of that list was Malachi Branham of the Spurs. And that's who I'm going with. Um, you could probably put a, a number of Spurs players in this conversation, any player on like one of the worst teams. I'm mainly just doing this for players that have played a good amount of, you know, games in this regular season. I'm not focused on like players that are sitting on the end of benches that aren't playing at all. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I'm looking at, but uh, Matt, who you got for your worst player? Um, You know, if we're just looking at end of the benches, like, I mean, <laughs> uh, Buddy Bayheim has been absolutely <laughs> awful uh, on oh. the Pistons. Um, been shooting terrible, and that's all I can do is shoot. Um, but obviously, he's not part of their regular rotation. Um, Don't hate you know, on one guy. <laughs> one guy I'd have to maybe pick would be Killian Hayes, like you said oh, too. No. Just hating on the Pistons. No, um, I've just never liked Killian Hayes. Come There's on, man. There's some uh, hype for him um, at, at times that he was turning things around, and I just I think Killian Hayes is an awful player. No, but he is turning um, things around, especially for like where he was picked in the draft. Right. Like he was seventh overall pick, and I mean he just is awful in my opinion. He's not not part of the. He shouldn't be part of their long term future in my opinion. Um, I don't know. I think. You know, another player that I want to mention just because I watch mostly the Wolves um, is McLaughlin. Just been absolutely god-awful. He's been cheeks this year, uh, which which is surprising because, I mean, I, I liked him a lot last year. I thought he was pretty good for us in the playoffs, but, uh, I mean, man, it's been – I want to scratch my eyes out sometimes watching him out there. Like, he'll, he'll get out there and he'll throw up three bricks, um, turn it over twice, and then – I mean, then we're down by 10 when the starters get back in there. Just unreal. But, yeah, those would be some of my worst players of the year. All right, all right. I mean, I, I don't like the shade thrown towards Killian Hayes, but we'll we'll try to progress through this podcast without, you know, mentioning Killian Hayes again, hopefully. But um, best teammate award, I think I got Drew Holiday on this one. 
I think I just, I love what Drew Holiday brings. I'm just a huge Drew Holiday fan. I love what he brings to not only the Bucks, but I, I he brought it to the Pelicans as well. Um, I just I like it. I like him as a teammate. I would, I would want to be Drew Holiday's teammate because I know we can. If if I'm having, if I'm, you know, if I'm like a JJ Redick or. Uh, you know, one of these sharp shooting guys, like it's nice to have a Drew Holiday who can just take on, you know, that defensive assignment, but also be a facilitator, but also be a scorer. Um, he's just like that Swiss Army knife, knife that can just do it all. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, you know, I, I'm actually going to stay in Milwaukee for my best teammate, and that's going to be a Mr. Bobby Tuhati Portis. And. I think he's a teammate that everybody would want on their team. Just a, an absolute pit bull out there who is not not in the same way as Dylan Brooks, who is just annoying and thinks they're a dynasty when they haven't won a single championship. Um, but somebody that's actually a gritty player, and um, he honestly just looks like a great teammate to have a part of your team. He's a, always picking people up um, when things go wrong, and just uh, um, he's just an energizer off the bench too. Um, I, I think it, just having those two players, like it's kind of a testament just to like to Milwaukee's whole team in general is that like, they just look like they play for each other. Um, like all the way up and down the lineup. Cause I mean, even got Giannis's brother, who's a big bench, uh, <laughs> you know, like just like motivator yeah. type guy. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like every, it, every single person on that team, like just wants to see everybody succeed. It doesn't seem like there's really any like, that, I mean, that's why they, their ball movement is so, like, fluid out there because everybody just wants – I mean, they just want to win games. Yeah, I mean, there's one person that might disagree with that. It, it's probably Miritich. <laughs> you remember when uh, Miritich and Bobby Portis got in a fight in Chicago <laughs> and Bobby Portis punched him, got suspended for, I think, a game or two? <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, th- I think the Bulls wish they would have Portis on their team, honestly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, there's, I mean, not everybody would say he's, you know, the best teammate, but uh, I get it from the viewpoint of the Bucks and uh, what he offers to their fandom and also their team. So I totally get that as well. But uh, most hated player, I'm going to go with Dylan Brooks. I think a lot of people in the NBA would go with Dylan Brooks. Um, first off, uh, top three worst player plus minus even on a Memphis Grizzlies team that with their plus minus is above I think it's above like five or six or something like that and yet he's at like a minus 3.5 so (laughs) not the best shooter this year either uh streaky shooter um I think people just he just tries to get in people's heads which sometimes it works that's kind of his game plan is just to kind of mess with the other team a little bit and you know sometimes it works and sometimes it kind of lights a little fire under the opposite team and kind of leads to some problems and we might see that in the playoffs too so um that's just my my most hated player but um i don't hate them i'm just saying most nba players probably do i mean you might have a different opinion though but yeah, I mean, uh, Dylan Brooks is definitely up there. I mean, uh, he does some real head-scratching things. Um, also, I mean, I, th- I do think that he does have some grit to him that is nice for that Grizz roster, though. Um, 
But my most hated player, um, this is just a personal vendetta type. Uh, uh, you really hate this guy. <laughs> not not personal as in like outside of basketball, but just in NBA games. I mean, just absolutely cannot stand him. And that's uh, Chris Paul. I mean, it, great. It's not that he's not a great player. It's just it. It's more frustrating because he is a great player because he does so much little flopping, uh, little antic type things that just annoy the absolute crap out of me when I watch him play. Like the the whole swipe through thing that he does where he's never actually going to take that shot. He's just doing it to get the foul call. Is um, But there's a lot of players that do that though. Like D'Lo does it. I mean, the entire Phoenix Suns team does it. KD does it. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that do it. Yeah, I mean, and who all did they learn it from? They learned it from Chris yeah, Paul, from Chris who's Paul, 38 yeah. years old. Fair. Um, uh, it's it's not even that, like, Chris Paul is just, I mean, like I said, like, if he was a bad player, I wouldn't mind as much. But, like, he's just such a talented player that, I like, some of the, that stuff just annoys the crap out of me that he has to do that when he's that good of a player in general. Because um, he's what, one of the best passers uh, in the game, if not all time. Um one of the best. I'm not saying he's the best, but he's definitely up there. Um, just some of the stuff he does, like the flop, and it just, I'm a, I don't know. It just, to me, it's not like fun basketball to watch. Like, yeah. yeah along those same lines, is like, like Trey Young does that kind of stuff too. And I, I mean, it's not that Trey Young's not a good player either. It's just like, I, I just, I can't get down for that. The, I don't want to see a team just shoot free throws the whole game and flop and no, I uh, act like they're playing soccer. But yeah. um, <laughs> those are mine. Um, and really, I mean, I would I'd agree with Dylan Brooks to a certain extent, too. I know a lot of players don't like him, especially the Warriors. Yeah, for sure. Um, we had three more awards. We'll kind of go through them a little bit quicker. Uh, top shot from outside, so just best deep range shot. Um, I have De'Aaron Fox's pull-up from the logo shot uh, to beat the Magic, 126 to 123, I think. Magic tied it up at 123 um, a piece, and I think there was like three seconds left. You know, De'Aaron Fox is never known as being a deep-range shot, like Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Trey Young, some of these guys that can shoot from outside that far, but uh, pulled up from the from the Magic logo and, and hit it and probably one of the most impressive buzzer beaters slash deep range shots that I've seen. That's why I have it from uh, my top award for top shot from outside. Who do you got? Um, mine's not like a, a deep range shot, but it's just a three point nine in general. Um, and that's Maxi Cleaver's buzzer beater three to beat the Lakers. Okay. Uh, I just thought that that was a, I mean, considering there was only like two seconds left when, uh, Kyrie passed the ball like I mean that was like a, an absolute like bang bang play if he didn't get the shot off like they would have lost um, and it was just a great knockdown shot by Kleba um, so that was my uh, favorite outside shot of the year um, damn Matt you were doing so good of getting giving the Lakers so much praise this entire podcast and you just had to kind of shit on right there but we'll move on past it it's all good well, that, that one's more Mavs put praise I mean there, yeah. there wasn't a whole ton the yeah. Lakers could have done about it that's true I mean they could have maybe not let or maybe blocked the shot <laughs> I don't know um, bang bang but my favorite award the holy shit moment of the season um, <laughs> I got another Luca one in here but 
Um, I was absolutely amazed. Like I've, I've never, I've seen somebody shoot the ball while they've been seated on the, on the court. I've never seen somebody bounce pass a pass between two defenders to an open Christian Wood for a dunk. I've never seen that before. Um, that's that's who I have my, for my holy shit moment. I I remember that game very well, and I, I'm still shocked to this day uh, that he pulled that off. Like crazy, crazy pass from Luca. Which I mean, he does that a lot. Yeah, I mean, I can't deny it. pretty much everything Luca does is pretty spectacular. Honestly, um, one of my crazy moments was um, a couple weeks ago. Actually, I think it was. Trying to find the exact game. I because I can't remember who they were playing. I think it was Portland. Uh, I'm trying to think who it was, but the the Grizzlies were down by like literally like 30 points in the third quarter, and they came back and won. I think it was against the Spurs actually, but it was just an absolutely insane game. Um, and that was kind of my holy crap moment. Uh, Dylan Brooks hit it. Speaking of Dylan Brooks, actually, he had like a shot with like two seconds left to tie the game. Oh um, yeah, yeah, I do remember that game. The, that was just a crazy game, just because I mean, down by thirty points in the freaking third quarter, and you come back and win. Like uh, to me, that was just a holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Like, like I, yeah. I looked away and I was like, no way. The the Matt, or Grizz got blown out by the Spurs tonight, and then all of a sudden they're <laughs> beating them and going into overtime. That was just. I mean, that was a crazy moment slash game. Um, I think that's worth mentioning. For sure. Yeah. Um, last award, the Breaking Ankles Award. Um, there's really only one that really pops to mind for me, and that was pretty early in the year where KD was still in the Nets, and it's where absolutely he did destroy Daniel Gafford. Gafford um, crossed him up. Gafford ended up doing the splits. Uh, I felt I felt bad for Gafford. I was like, dude, please get up after that one. And he kind of laid there a little bit afterwards. KD hit the mid mid range jumper, and the rest was history. And um, that was a tough one. Uh, there was another one. Um, maybe I mean, actually, no. I, this is more for like a game winner, but I won't go over the game winner one, but. Uh, who was your Breaking Ankles Award winner? Or do you have one? Or is it the same? I mean, mine my, my is pretty much the same as yours. I mean, that okay. that was uh, just an unreal play. Um, I mean, it's tough to argue against that one. Uh, it, Gavard's lucky uh, he, he's definitely okay because <laughs> that was uh, pretty nasty. Yeah. I love Gafford. I love his game. But that was, uh, that was a tough moment. Um, we're going to take one more break. When we come back, we'll go over some playoff scenarios in the NBA. Talk about some play-in tournament options. Uh, play-in tournament will be played April 11th through the 14th, and then playoffs begin April 15th. So we'll be right back. All right. So welcome back. Uh, quick talk with Matt. We're going to decide to do our – we're not going to do the playoff predictions right now. We're going to – or scenarios. We're going to wait till Sunday, have another podcast come out on uh, Monday with the, you know, updated playoff scenarios and kind of go through the playoff uh, breakdowns of those things on uh, Monday for you guys. So uh, we'll end off the podcast going up with uh, some player comparisons. Uh, 
you guys can join in on this one. Make sure to comment uh, either below or you can send it to our Gmail account at shotside at gmail.com. Um, first one up, Matt, if you want to go through your first comparison that you want to do. Yeah, I'll take... Um, so the first comparison we were thinking of would be um, who would you rather have uh, Brandon Ingram, Mikhail Bridges, or for this one, we threw a third one in, which would be Andrew Wiggins. So basically, I mean, it's kind of like an all-encompassing thing. Like, who would you rather? Like, I know a, a lot of things are, like, roster-oriented and stuff like that, but, like, just straight up, like, who would you rather have between the three? Um, I'll, st- I'll send it over to you, Alex, first, just to see what you'd say. Yeah, so if we're just not factoring like any of the players that are on each of these players' teams, if we're just trying to build around one of these three players, I would probably say Brandon Ingram has the most talent out of the three, um, especially what I've seen out of him this second half of the year. Um, his assist numbers are way up. Rebounding numbers are up. Points per game, way up. Uh, granted, you know, Wiggins has missed some time with family matters. We talked about that earlier in the podcast. So, um, I'm not factoring that in whatsoever. I just think Brandon Ingram long-term is probably the better option. Mikel Bridges is a hell of a talent too. Like what he's been able to do on the Nets since being traded there. I mean, I witnessed it firsthand at a Timberwolves game. He put up 36 points, which I never thought I would think Mikel Bridges would put up. 36 points in a Timberwolves game, so or in any game, so um, it, it is a tough debate, though. Like, all three of these players I would love to have on my team. If I have to just to choose one, though, like, I, I think I would go Brandon Ingram. Yeah, I mean, I, I have definitely no uh, problem with Brandon Ingram being the guy there. I think uh, the one thing that Ingram probably lacks would be... Um, his defense, but at the same time, his just the length alone gives him a lot of, um, or gives him at least the ability to defend. Um, yeah. Those other two are better defenders for sure. Yeah, um, I would actually probably have to agree on uh, Brandon Ingram just because um, he is only twenty five, um, which it's not like a huge difference, but uh, Mikael Bridges is already about a little over a year older than him, which is pretty surprising because Brandon Ingram's been in the year of the league two years longer. Um, so I think just factoring that in line, I think um, like Bridges kind of, I mean, Ingram's probably mostly at his ceiling already too, but I think Bridges, um, when you're almost 27, I think ceiling's not going to get much higher for you. I think we've, we've seen him do a lot on the nets, but I think at the same time, like if you're the Nets too, I I don't think the Nets are building around Bridges. I think they're eventually looking to have a player come in there and have Bridges be. I mean, I think he'll be a part of the core. I just think Brit, they're probably not building around Bridges. Um, he's a piece to the he's next guy that comes in, and and Bridges also was a three-year starter at Villanova, so it it did. I mean, he was a solid player coming out of college, but he wasn't like. Brandon Ingram or Wiggins, you know, that projected top five pick. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Um, and uh, I will say, I think probably Bridges, 
Uh, I mean, it's tough, but I would say Bridges is probably the best defender out of the three. Yeah, uh, I agree. With I that. mean, Wiggins' playoff performance last year did change my mind a little right. bit. Um, but I would still take Bridges all around on defense. Um, but just overall, a player, I think Brandon Ingram just adds the most to your team. I think this year, honestly, I, I've been shocked at how, not shocked, but like pleasantly surprised that he's taken more steps in, uh, in terms of passing the ball. He's had a lot of good assist games, and he's even had a couple triple doubles um, this year, which has been a nice surprise because, I mean, a lot of people – would think of him more as a scorer but i think he's really trying to add to his game um in terms of being more of a not more of a distributor but like distributing more in addition to scoring which has been nice um and honestly i mean it's gonna be interesting to see him and zion when they're back um but yeah i I would have to go with brandon ingram that'd be my pick for these three it's it this is definitely a close one though yeah, the funny thing is, like, all three of these players, like, on their previous teams, we, all of their previous teams were like, gosh, we wish we had that player after we traded them. Because, like, Wiggins with the Timberwolves, once he got traded to the Warriors, we every Timberwolves player was like, gosh, we wish he had that intensity on defense and, and whatnot, two-way player. Mikel Bridges, they wanted him to be more of an offensive weapon in Phoenix and be, you know, that second to third guy they can count on night to night we're seeing that in brooklyn now bi they wanted to see that in la now he's in new orleans playing some of his best ball so it's funny to see all three of those guys there and and you know it's better for their careers too because for one they're gonna get paid for it and two they're gonna probably have a better more successful season as a player now that they're on different teams so that's that's cool to see those guys uh on the list I got another one for you. Um, Josh Hart or Dylan Brooks? <laughs> I mean, I did say Dylan Brooks is my most hated player, but I'll turn this one to you to see kind of who you would pick for Josh Hart or Dylan Brooks. This one is a tough one for me. I'm a, I do like Josh Hart. I mean, I like that whole uh, Villanova squad that had Josh Hart, um, Mikael Bridges, and Brunson. Um, but for me, I... I'd probably have to go with uh, Dylan Brooks just because, you know, I, I think Dylan Brooks is a dog. And although he is highly inefficient at times, um, I think it comes kind of like with with the territory a little bit. I think um, he will dial it back when he has to um, in the playoffs. Um, I just think overall, I just think Dylan Brooks adds – just more over overall to a team um, in terms of like, I think he's a big reason why the, this Grizz team has the identity that they have. I think players like him bring it out in other players. Um, whereas Josh Hart, like I think he's probably a, maybe a better like straight up player than Dylan Brooks. But I think just like what Dylan Brooks can add to a team in terms of like, lifting their intensity um i think is more valuable maybe than josh hart's because uh, I, I think skill wise they're not like too far off from each other um so i think just that added um you know intensity with dylan brooks kind of um would make me lean towards him i mean i definitely don't like that he called them a dynasty when they haven't won anything yet um that's kind of a turn off a little bit but um 
I can live with most of the other stuff he does where he just tries to get in the best player's head on the other team. Um, kind of like a, I, would, I think Lance Stevenson's better than him, but I'd say Lance Stevenson-esque. Um, but yeah, I think I think it does make a difference because there's been some some games where like some good players have had some bad nights against Dylan Brooks just because he's always talking in their ears. But uh, what are your thoughts on between the two? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Dylan Brooks. I'm, I'm going to say that straight up. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Um, I think Josh Hart's a better player. Uh, speaking on that Villanova run, though, like, it is crazy that four out of their five starters made it to the NBA, and the one guy being Ryan Archie Diakno, you had Josh Hart, you had Mikel Bridges, you had Jalen Brunson. The one guy that didn't make it, the guy that made the winning shot, Chris Jenkins, then, I mean, he got, he played a little bit to start, but he never play, played any meaningful minutes in the NBA, which is crazy to think, but um, that just shows how good that Villanova team was when they won that championship uh, against UNC. Um, I, I just think both these players are good defenders. I think I would still take Josh Hart as a defender over Dylan Brooks, even though Dylan Brooks's trash shocking is probably way better than Josh Hart's. Um, but I mean, spot up shooting. I think I, you know, Josh Hart is hot and cold. Dylan Brooks is hot and cold. You're dealing with the same kind of situ- situation there. I I just think, you know, you go either way. I think the fans will have an interesting look on this one, but I think you go either way. I'm going Josh Hart. I believe you win Josh Hart as well. So, um, I win Dylan Brooks. Oh, you win Dylan Brooks on this one. Yeah, I think I just think, I think they're close, but I think just the the pit bull and Dylan Brooks just gives me the edge a little bit. Mm. I, I I can live with the inefficiency. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um. Moving on, if you want to do the next one. Yeah, so moving on to the the third comparison would be um, who would you rather have between DeAndre Ayton and Nick Claxton? Uh, I'll throw it to you first. Yeah. um, So one of these you're dealing with a number one pick overall. Another one you're dealing with a late first rounder, I believe, or even a second. I think he was a late first rounder, Nick Claxton. Maybe second rounder. Yeah, I, think. I think he was late first. Late first by the Nets. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Nick Claxton's had a hell of a year. He's, I think he's top five in blocks this year. Um, great as an undersized center. Can switch. Uh, something DeAndre Aiden can't do. I think overall, though, if I'm if I want to pick one of these players, I think I still trust in DeAndre Aiden. I was hoping he would get moved on and maybe do like a little trade with like Indiana, where he would go to a place where he'd have a little bit more opportunity to kind of just see what he can do from an op. We've seen it in spurts for Phoenix when players like Devin Booker, Chris Paul, KD have missed time over the year and. He's been there, and we've seen spots where, especially against the Timberwolves, which I don't want to mention that again, but um, just over the year, he's he's had spots where he looks like a good offense player. His mid-range jumper looks very, very solid. Um, 
but I want to, I kind of want to see more out of him, you know, and it's going to be tough on this Phoenix Suns team when you got Chris Paul, Devin Booker, KD. Um, we'll see it in the playoffs this year, how far they go. Um, but as of right now, I, I think I would still take DeAndre Aiden over Nick, Nick Claxton, even though I think this is a lot closer than people think it should be. Um, Matt, who do you have for these two? Um, you know this this one is actually super close for me because I, I I think DeAndre Ayton overall is a better offensive player than Claxton is. Um, he can he has more of an outside shot, like not necessarily he can okay threes, but not really like. I mean, I wouldn't want DeAndre Ayton shooting threes. I'll put it that better way. than Claxton though. But but Claxton like cannot shoot at all from three. Um, and even like Aiden's mid range is actually not too bad. Um, and Claxton like I, I, he's more of like a lob threat than anything, honestly. He's, yeah, um, anything inside of five feet, I'd say. Yeah, and I mean one turnoff for me for for Claxton is that he's an abysmal free throw shooter and. Um, yeah, almost to the point where you can't even have him on the court at the end of a game. Um, whereas DeAndre Ayton's like career like seventy five percent free throw shooter, which I mean it's, great for it's a not like yeah, I mean not like Embiid great, but it's it's not a liability. We'll put it it's, that way. Let's just say um, it's better than most centers in the league, though. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely better for most centers in the league, and it just it, it's not it's not. Uh, even close to the point of Claxons where like you couldn't have him on the floor at certain points. Uh, it's not Ben Simmons bad. Um, <laughs> which is on the same but, teams as Nick, as Nick Claxton, which makes it even worse <laughs> having those two out at the same yeah, time. They're just practicing with each other and just clanking them. Yeah. Um, but it is getting them better at rebounding. So that's, that's helpful. Um, the, the thing I'll say about Claxton, I, I, overall I'd pick Aiton, but I uh, I will give Claxton a nod in defense. I think Claxton is a better defender than Aiton is. Um, yeah. Just, I mean, he's a better shot blocker, and he just uh, he's honest for a big guy. He Claxton is like surprisingly really fast. Um, and it, even uh, I was watching a game earlier this year between Brooklyn and uh, Philly, and he he was even giving Embiid problems at times just because. How fast he is for a center. Um, he's getting to, quick hands too. Yeah, really quick hands for a center. Um, he blocked and beat even um, in that game. Um, so I do like him. I, I'd also like to see how he grows too. Like this is was yeah. his first kind of like breakout year a little bit. Um, so before I would take him over eight, and I would just like to see how he grows. Um, I'd like to see him yeah. do. The opposite of Luka Doncic and Zion Williamson and put on a little bit of weight and maybe, you know, hopefully it doesn't take away some of his athleticism and speed and and quickness and agility, but, you know, add to just being able to guard those types of players like Embiid and Jokic uh, so that he doesn't get back down as much. I know he can be, like you said, versatile and, you know, quick hands and be able to reach in and, and steal the ball, but like playoff time... It's a different story. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I think 
You know, the, this last year, the first start was getting that haircut, getting the buzz cut. Uh, <laughs> this next year might be putting on a little pounds, but or pounds of muscle, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, you got to look fresh while you're playing, too. So. <laughs> um, we talked about two centers. Let's move on to some two-point guards. Um, Trey Young or Darius Garland, Matt? You know, that this one is uh, surprisingly really close for me. I think... Um, I, I mean, personally, I think that I would probably take Darius Garland. He's a slightly younger than Trey is, but about a year younger. Um, I know, I know, this might might be a pretty uh, like hot takey. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would take Trey Young over Darius Garland, but for me personally, I I kind of feel like I think Darius Garland's not too far off in terms of offense ability ability. Uh, of Trey Young, whereas I feel like Trey Young is further off in defensive ability to Darius Garland. I think uh, he's a better defender, and he just, you know, sometimes I feel like, too, like he takes smarter shots, too, than Trey Young does um, at times. Uh, I don't think he, like, forces shots as much as Trey Young does. So I think that's kind of like a plus for me, too. Somebody else on Um, their team does that more. Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, and I, honestly, I think that's kind of why they work out so well together, too, right. is that, like, Darius Garland's fine, like, just diamond people. Um, uh, like we said on a previous podcast, like, two of the players with the highest dunks um, in the league are Evan Mobley and um, Jared Allen. And, that I mean, a large part of that is because of uh, Darius Garland's passing ability. Um, and that's not – not and. And that's not to say either that, like, um, you know, like Capella obviously dunks a lot too because of Trey, and obviously yeah. Colin does too. But I just think overall, I think, you know, when you factor in the defensive ability, um, I don't know. I, it, it's definitely close for me, but I, I lean towards Darius Garland in this one. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, you had a lot of great points in there. I think your best point was. You know, having two, like, you could have told, if you told me Evan Mobley was the top dunker in his second year in the NBA, I don't know if I would believe you. Because, I mean, when we had in the lightning round and I, mean, I asked I, that question. I didn't believe you. <laughs> right. Nobody believed me in the, in the in the lightning round questioning. But I thought it was absolutely insane. But it, it does have a lot to do with not only Donovan Mitchell, but also Darius Garland. I mean, he's he's becoming a top point guard in this league. And I talked about it in a previous podcast before that, even he's a top player in defensive efficiency this year, which is crazy. It's above Giannis. It's above a lot of triple J above a lot of these possible defensive players of the year, which I would have never guessed in a thousand years that Darius Garland would be a top defender in this, in this league. And you know, that's, that's way better than anything you hope for or ask for from Trey Young defensively. Now, granted, Trey Young is a top offensive player in this league for sure. Knows how to draw fouls. Uh, kind of flops a little bit like Chris, Chris Paul does, but um, you know he can, he can do that with his small frame, though. Um, a lot of refs can call that. Um, but, but also, like, just Trey Young's ability to get to the basket as well, and that draws in other players to be able to 
come into the and, and compact the paint as well, which opens up players like you said, Clint Capella, John Collins. Uh, it also frees up shooters like rookie AJ Griffin, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, a number of players on their team where it makes their job easier. I honestly, I don't know what the overall feeling is in Atlanta right now. I know they're on a little bit of a, a, a winning streak. Uh, their last 10 games have been good. We'll see how it looks in the playoffs, but as of right now, I, I think I would have to go the same. I think I would have to go Darius Garland just because of the upside. Um, also how Cleveland has looked this year with not only with Donovan Mitchell, but also him upgrading his play, even with Donovan Mitchell there, Trey young, we haven't seen an upgrade from his role players. John Collins has stayed pretty much the same. Clint Capella, you know what you're getting from him. Um, I mean, I don't think I could have said it any differently from from that vantage point, but um, I, I can definitely see why people would pick Trey Young just because of the flash of entertainment that he brings. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree with all those points. The, the, the one thing I'll say about Trey is that, like, I think you know, I think it, when it's your own team, I think there's more pressure on you. I think he might do better in that situation than say if you like took Darius Garland and placed him on there instead of Trey. I mean, that's a lot of pressure to shoulder. Um, so I can I can see why people would pick Trey Young because um, I'm not sure that Darius Garland would be do too much better in that situation. Um, Although he's a little bit better defensively, but um, also like, what if you flipped Trey Young onto the Cavs? I don't know if it would be the same because you'd have two dominant guards in Trey Young and Donovan Mitchell. Would that still work? Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree with that. I was just saying, like, I mean, I think Donovan Mitchell better than anybody on um, in between like Darius Garland and Trey. Yeah, like, and honestly, I would take Evan Mobley over uh, John Collins any day of the yeah. week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would. And I, I would take Jared, Jared Allen over um, Capella. But um, I, I think it's just interesting. I'm not saying that uh, Trey Young is a bad player. I'm just saying, like, sometimes you have to be inefficient when you're – I mean, he is tasked a lot with being, like, the offensive force on the team. Um, but it's just tough to tell. They're just in different situations. Uh, I lean towards Darius Garland just because I do think he actually is a better defender. And I think I think he has a better feel on defense than Trey Young does. Um, whereas I feel like Trey Young, offensively, like, he probably is a better player offensively, like, overall. Um, but I think Darius Garland is more able to fit into other teams than Trey Young would be able to, if that makes sense. No, it definitely like, does. Because, like, he doesn't have to be the best player. Like, Darius Garland, like, I think he's going to put up... I don't know. I feel like he would just fit in nicely. With, I, I think any team would just want Darius Garland on their team. Right. And they would know that they don't have to build around him. They can have other great players, too. Right. And... You know, Trey Young definitely had more pressure coming into the league than Darius Garland did. Like, when Darius Garland got drafted, 
there wasn't a ton of pressure on his back to like lead this team to a championship. When Trey Young got picked, you know, a lot of people will remember he got traded in that Luka Doncic trade. So that was huge on his back to be able to at least be in that conversation with Luka. And we've always put that in that conversation, which makes it a lot more tougher on Trey Young to be on that Luka level, which it's tough to be on Luka's level when you're talking about a top five, top 10, probably top five player in this league, definitely a top five player in this league. So um, any last remarks you want to say before we end the pod, Matt? Um, no, I just saw throw in one more, t- one more thing about Trey is that like he did lead his team to the Eastern conference finals. So I, I do have to give him his flowers for that. I think uh, it is close right now, but I think, I mean, most people are probably lean Trey for right now, but we'll, we'll see how Darius does it in the playoffs this year. I think, I mean, I, I think he has a chance to really surprise some people in these playoffs. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you guys have any differentiating opinions or want to see us talk about some other possible comparisons in the NBA between players or even between teams, uh, make sure to hit us up on our Gmail account at shotside or at gmail.com, or you can just comment on this podcast. That works as well. Um, with that being said, uh, like and follow if you enjoy the content. Uh, we will have some new TikToks coming out. I think Adam and Matt will have their all-time favorite players um, of all time coming out soon on TikTok, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, and then uh, speaking of TikTok, too, uh, we might even start putting these uh, player comparisons on TikTok, too, kind of just to let you guys have a chance to say of who you think, it, um, whether you agree with us, disagree or not. Um, I think it's good to have those conversations. Right. We'll also have some some standings and stuff coming out on on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, as well, or uh, Twitter as well. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, I think we will have another podcast coming out on on Sunday, like we said, or no, probably on Monday. Um, yeah. Dealing record with on Sunday. Right. Record on Sunday, but it'll come out on Monday. Dealing with um, the actual playoffs, how everything's going to look. Uh, We'll give you guys an insight of our little breakdown that we do. But until next time, guys, peace out. Peace.